bigger capacity. But what they're saying is that that was a baby grey alien. Welcome to Occam's Razor, episode 44. Uh, big show tonight. We've got Roger Stankovic, the Australasian director of MUFON, and he's come on the show tonight. We're going to talk about alien images or images of aliens, fact or fiction. Uh, first of all, good evening, Roger. How are things in Australia? Hi, Jim. Yeah, pretty good. Um, I heard this. you're in the middle of a bit of a storm there. Yeah, something just passing through, but I think the Wi-Fi should hold up surprisingly, which... Uh, which is a good thing. Hey, yep. um, I got in touch again because I saw a post you put up um, on one of the social media platforms, I think it was. Was it Facebook? And you were talking about the silver yep. pen uh, photograph. Yeah. It's come back into your conscience um, because you've you've acquired some new information on it. It's quite an old photo. They reckon from about 30s or 40s or so, don't they? But one, obviously one of the first recorded instances of uh, supposed alien or extraterrestrial uh, caught on celluloid. So what more can you tell us about Silverman? Yeah, um, so, so basically... Um uh, I think in the in the 1990s, I was um, uh, you know obviously heavily in, uh, into UFOs as well then, and um, I occasionally I'll surf the internet for alien folk pictures, and because you think you might stumble across something that um, might you know like might be secretive, but you know it's 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 a photograph or an image of an alien. Um, a lot of the stuff, as you know, is fake. Um, and it's very obviously fake, but there was this one image that I saw that really gave me chills up my spine when I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, what is that? You know, um, I thought, um, it's, it's really quite weird. And it's a, it was a creature that was being held up by what looked like two, uh, two FBI agents in, in trench coats, um, with their hats on and holding up this, what looked like a creature of some sort, but it was humanoid. Um, and it has a metallic silver sheen to the the body, um, and it's sort of like uh, uh, there was not much information about it um, at all, really, on the internet at that stage. And I just sort of thought, gee, that's weird, you know. And I um, I forgot about it, and I read a little bit about it on this um, uh, a few years later on this uh, website, on this uh, blog, um, by a guy called. Um, uh, Coy is his last name. I, I don't know whether that's a pseudonym, but um, uh, Isaac Coy, and basically um, he had done some research in it. He's a ufologist in Britain, in the UK. Uh, he's also a barrister. Yeah, so I looked him up the other week. Yeah, and um, so basically uh, he had looked at researched the photo and um, there was some information on the internet about it and I read it and it, it basically um, was... Uh, Saying that it was a hoax, and basically that uh, it was a, a something that was printed in and the article. An article was printed in a German magazine, which was um, renowned for hoaxes, producing hoaxes around the world. And but I, I looked at it and I thought, oh, okay, damn, you know, it's a hoax, but it looks really weird, regardless. And I like um, let it go for a few years, and a few probably a decade, 
And then I thought, I wonder if it's still on the internet. So I, I surfed it up again, and then I found the the a, a much much improved image of the of the entity. Um, uh, it's sort of got a much higher resolution image of the entity on in the photograph, and then a lot more information about it. And um, I happened to stumble across um, a. Uh, uh, an incident, um, uh, well, I knew about this incident as well, the Cape Girardeau incident where uh, supposedly a, an, a, a spacecraft had um, crash-landed in Missouri in 1941, which precedes the UF, the Roswell incident by six years. And uh, one of the, um, not, not, not a witness, but the granddaughter of, the, of, a, of a minister that was actually involved in the incident, uh, said she saw a uh, a picture of that was taken by a photographer at the time uh, of the entity being held up by two um, government officials in a pretty similar manner to what the Silverman uh, was being held up. And so the, the the two images made me think. Okay, well she's she's she actually said that you know, during the dinner table basically her father showed her a photograph of um of the entity that was that they picked up off the ground it was still alive apparently and um uh they, they took a photograph of it and apparently there were other entities that were actually dead uh but this one was alive and they just was they were just holding it by its arms and i thought gee that sounds very similar to this silverman photograph and I tried to put the two together, like in terms of um, trying to find out the commonality between the two. And uh, there were some inconsistencies about what um, uh, Charlotte Mann was saying, which who was, who was the actual witness to the photograph, which can't be found anymore, apparently. There were um, negatives, you mean? Sorry, there weren't negatives. Oh, I don't know. Um, all I got, to- all I, all I uh, can uh, assume is that uh, there was one photograph. Uh, there were two photographs taken. One, the, the photographer who actually there is a uh, he, he has actually been named, uh, but he took a photograph for himself and he took a photograph for the Reverend, uh, who actually gave the alien its last rites because basically um, they uh, in those days they considered them to be humanoid and so uh they were this creature was dying and then um one of the um military personnel uh rang the um uh, the minister that happened to be in the in the local area and said look you've got to come over um we've got a a a, a crash of a of a of a craft and we've got uh, something that's dying and and looks humanoid and we want you to give it you know its last rites so he went over there and and did that. He was a Baptist minister, so they don't get the last rites, but he was just praying over the individual um, before it died. And uh, they took off, uh, there were two photographs, and uh, the photographs were not taken by the military. They somehow managed to sneak them out. Um, but a Charlotte man, his granddaughter, was was shown the photographs by her father at the dinner table one day, and she remembers it. I, I don't know when she saw it. It was probably in the 60s or the 50s or whatever. But um, uh the scenario uh, in the actual photograph that she described it uh, uh, was very similar to the Silverman uh, photo that I remembered um, years and years ago. And um, she describes it as 
a, 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 a an, like a, a, a very thin uh, creature with long arms and long legs, and um, basically that uh, it was being held up by two officials in trench coats. And I thought, gee, that sounds so much like this Silverman um, uh, photograph that has been circulating around the internet. So I did actually email um, Isaac Coy, but he hasn't responded um, to date, uh, but he has communicated with me before um, about about um, uh, this photograph. Um, and um, he's, oh. he's continuing. He's saying that it's still not... Um, not resolved, mm. so they don't know what it is. But um, Alan Hynek, and I don't know whether your viewers, how much they know about ufology, but Alan Hynek was the astrophysicist involved, an astronomer who was head of Project Blue Book in the 60s, the 40s, 50s and 60s. Um, he actually knew about this photograph as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a very, very um, well-known photograph that's been around the traps and basically Alan Hynek um, in his wisdom said that it was a shaved monkey. Now, basically, um, we don't know whether he was actually referring to this photograph or whether it was another photograph. Uh, if you look at Isaac Coy's blog, um, basically there are two photographs. There's one of an actual shaved monkey and there's this Silverman photograph. Now, um, if you look at this photograph um, of the Silverman, he does. It does not look like a monkey to me because I teach human anatomy and I know what a monkey looks like and I know what a humanoid a human looks like. And it's the proportions are completely wrong. Um, there's absolutely no way this is a shaped monkey. And so, what does it then mean that it is? You know, what is it if it's not a shaped monkey? If it's not a human, then what is it? You know. And if you look at it. You can look at the proportions of the legs. The femur is far too long for a monkey. The tibia and fibula are far too long, and it's an upright creature. So you can see by the anatomy of the hips and the, the way that the, 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 the femur joins to the hip, it's, it's actually a bipedal animal. So it's not a monkey. It's not a primate of any sort apart from it being a humanoid in, in, in anatomy. Um, but the, the thing that, that really uh, freaks you out is that it's got less ribs than a human. Mm -hmm. um, it looks very, very weird in the way that it's um, it, 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 it looks very what's called, called ectomorphic in the sense that it's a very, very slim creature. It's very, very slim um, and it's like it would look like something that's like a, a, an individual that starved itself to death, you know, if it was a human because it's so thin. But it's uh, got this silver sheen on it. And if you try and research paints in that time, yeah, so you, it, it, if you um, look at um, how they did this, how did they fake it? You know, how did they fake this creature? If they made it up, they, they must have, you know, like somebody must have been really clever to have made this thing up. It, it definitely isn't a mannequin. It definitely isn't anything made of wax. It definitely isn't a, a primate. It definitely isn't human. So what is it, you know? I, it, it's really quite puzzling. I would contend um, that... The images could have been manipulated after the fact. I, I appreciate the original images were around the 30s or 40s, correct me if I'm wrong. 
once yeah. someone gets into the domain of the internet, as you know, all sorts of things that, that can happen. Now, I, I did look at the second, well, it might have been the second or third photo with, uh, there's a sort of a pram. They, they're carrying the, the entity around in a pram, aren't they? Um, and a couple of people mentioned that they felt the front wheels looked, could have been photoshopped on or a bad Photoshop job, as, as someone described it. Um, where do you sit on that? I mean, you mentioned you saw this. Did you ever view these images before the internet age, so to speak? No, but other people have. So that that um, doesn't wash with me. So basically what happened, um, although in those days they could probably do a montage, which means they could um, uh, double expose um, a photograph to get the entity onto the actual photo, on another photograph, um, but they couldn't really do anything um, which really could produce something like that in the 40s and the 50s. I, I don't think they could because it looks like a real creature like, and it doesn't look like it's been painted on or anything like that. Um, it looks like it's real. And the thing with a pram, the only reason um, uh, people, the, the eyes in the blog, it mentions a pram is that, Nobody's not. Sh nobody's sure that these two guys are actually pushing a pram. It's just because um, somebody came up with this theory that they were pushing a pram because of the height of their arms and the way that they're holding the creature. So that the theory is that, or the uh, the um, the hypothesis is um, that some these two people in trench coats were pushing a pram with a child in it, right? But what happened is that they got rid of the pram and airbrushed the pram out and then superimposed this alien where the pram is so that the two trench people, in the two men in the trench coat look like they're actually holding up an alien. Um, so my, my hypothesis was that this could be a real photograph of an alien that they've actually taken and what they've done is called it a hoax um, and put it in plain sight, hidden it in plain sight by actually super, superimposing it onto this photograph that they found with, um, you know, two guys pushing a pram and then called it a hoax because it's a montage. Um, now, that seems a bit convoluted, but um, it's, you know, like it, it, in that way they can peddle it as a hoax, but in, in reality... It's a photograph of an actual alien hidden in plain sight, if you know what I mean. Did it ever feature in a um, local newspaper or any any um, publication? Yes, it, it featured in a paper in Germany, and um, I can't pronounce the name of it, but um, it did feature in a paper, and um, they're all calling it a hoax. Um, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, basically... <clears throat> Um, yeah, um, I, I, it did feature in a paper. and uh, But the thing is that no, the, the, the peculiar thing about it, I know it was taken a long time ago, but there is no, ev no, there's no evidence as to who took the photograph and there's the photographs, um, the actual photograph has disappeared as far as we know. So basically we've, somebody's taken a digital but we'll photograph and then put it on the internet years ago. Yeah. But um, the actual photograph can't be found anymore and no one knows how it was, who took it and how it was done. 
You think it was spiritual? So if it was a hoax, seriously. If it was a hoax, why don't they just come out and say, this is a hoax, this person did it, this is how we did it? Mm. Um, well, that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? I mean, um, you know, some people on their deathbeds confess to making crop circles, others to uh, turning toy submarines into the Loch Ness Monster and things like that. Um, yeah, it's a similar situation, yeah. has some parallels to um, the two girls that made the fairies um, or had the photography of the um, fairies at the bottom of the gardens. So. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it has some parallels to me, but hey, who knows? Because the origin, as you say, the photo, if, if the origin story is correct, it's been around for quite some time. Um, only really the originals would probably lay things to rest, I would suspect. Yeah, and so it went to the uh, FBI as well. So somebody actually sent a, a copy of the photo to the FBI and it went to Hoover, Edgar Hoover, yep. and he he sent back a a, a reply to the person who, you know, whose name's been redacted. Uh, on the, it's an unclassified document now, but he was saying that there's no way that those two guys that are holding this creature are FBI agents. So, um, so even it went as high as Edgar Hoover. Why um why do reported reports of aliens? or aliens that are reported, why do they have a humanoid form? Um, that's one thing that's always interested me. You don't hear a lot of um, stories of, you know, three-headed, eight-tentacled sort of aliens do sort of doing abductions on people and things well, like that. Yeah, that's a good question. And um, basically uh, I I think I'm qualified to answer it to a certain degree because I, I, I did do a Bachelor of Science degree. I did a PhD in neuroscience and I, I did do subjects like, zoology and evolution and and all that sort of stuff that doesn't make me an expert in uh you know exobiology um uh, how how things evolve on other planets but um i can imagine that um if you are on a say for example if you pick if you pick another planet that's not in our solar system that can sustain life um basically the humanoid form could be um, a, a key to a key body shape to actually for intelligence to evolve into, which means that um, basically that particular type of body plan, which is bilaterally symmetrical. So one might say, okay, well, why does it have to? Have, why does an intelligent creature have to have um, bilateral symmetry? Which means if you cut the creature in half. Uh, the left-hand side is the same as the right-hand side. Yeah. Okay, why can't it be like a a sea sponge? Uh, sorry, a uh, an, um, a, a sea star. You know, because it's got radial symmetry. Um, but you'll never find anything on Earth that's got radial radial symmetry that's going to be intelligent. So I think it has to be a bilaterally symmetrical organism. Head up on top that has two appendages that are free. In other words, arms that they can manipulate the environment with. I mean, you got creatures like whales and elephants, but they don't have arms that they can change their local environment with. Mm. So you'd have to be bipedal in that sense. So if you've got four appendages, you'd have to have two of them uh, that are not occupied by manipulate. Sorry, motor. Mo mo Motion. In other words, you you have to have two of your appendages free to manipulate your environment because, and then your brain has to be up the top because you don't want down the bottom where it can be um, subject to um, yeah 
someone hitting you in the head <laughs> if your head's where your bum is. Yes. Um, but 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 basically, I think if if that's the the key to to intelligence, like in in other words, if the, if that body plan is the key to um, an intelligent body plan, I'm sorry, body plan for an intelligent creature. Well, then that should be universal, just like DNA. Um, DNA in our bodies is a genetic code, and what it does is produce proteins to build our bodies with. And if you look at, I mean, sure, the planets are different, okay, but if you look at every planet, all of them are circular, you know, like spherical, okay? Every single planet in our solar system has the same elements in it. And it really, it really is like something that's universal. So basically, um, if you go to another solar system, you're going to have planets that are going to be similar to Earth. You're going to have planets that are going to be different to Earth, but they're all going to have the same shape. They're all going to be spherical. They're all going to have the same elements. They might have elements with different isotopes. But what I'm, what I'm just saying is that um, although you're looking at a different solar system or a different galaxy, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get something so bizarrely different to what is evolved on Earth. But some people, even some scientists like, um, uh, I forgot his name now, I'm sorry, um, but he's, he's a very well-known astrophysicist who's constantly, he's, he's, he's a, but he, um, you might, uh, your name, his Neil name, name might come. Yeah, that him, yeah. No. So he, Neil deGrasse Tyson um, states that why do we have to always assume that um, extraterrestrials are humanoid, and I thought that that's not a that's a bit of a dumb question. You know, like I mean, uh, basically, why not? You know, I, why, why do they have to look like? Well, if you look at um, the, sorry, if you look at the evolutionary, you know, cycle of man, um, obviously this the shape we're in now is you know the optimum. That's why how we've risen right. to the food chain. So it would make sense that the dominant intelligent uh, species of any planet would adopt the most favourable, um, you know, exoskeleton, brain set up, the whole thing, you know, whatever works best is likely Absolutely. to be, right? Absolutely. And, and that's why, um, you know, I think that uh, even though you can have, like, for example, um, uh, magnesium might be, you know, it'll be found on Earth, it'll be found on, other planets in other galaxies, mm-hmm. but the magnesium might be slightly different. Our, our isotope of magnesium might be slightly different to the isotope on another planet in another galaxy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a different element for magnesium. They're all the same. Yeah. And so why doesn't that, why, do, why couldn't you apply that to life forms as well? Because they're made of magnesium. They're made of proteins that are made of carbon that are made of the same elements. Yeah. So it's not surprising that um, some of the creatures that are coming, uh, allegedly coming to Earth, have humanoid shapes, mm. humanoid body form. They look different to us, but they've got the two arms, the two legs. They've got a head that's up on top. They've got two eyes. They're bilaterally symmetrical. They've got two feet. It, it just makes sense, you know. Where where they've was got- the Sorry, where was the first sort of recorded um, description or, or sighting of what we typically know as a grey? When when most people think of an alien, they think of a grey. Um, was that did that start with sort of um, Betty and Barney Hill and that sort of sort of era? Uh, yeah, previous reports or reports previous to that Hill and um, 
Well, um, I, I, prior to Betty and Bunny Hill, the people were called contactees, Mars, which was all very suspicious. We know that Venus is, is not a planet to, to go to because it's actually it's um, extremely hot on the surface of Venus, like something like 500 degrees Celsius. Mm. So how could they have gone to Venus? You know, we know that Mars is pretty desolate as well. I mean, there, there might have been water there, but in, I'm sure that it was in the 1950s or or 40s, you know, Mars would have been exactly the way it is now. Um, so the contactees were full of rubbish. I mean, basically, they were people who just wanted to gain some notoriety in terms of um, being able to, you know, peddle that they had actually been, you know, off planet and they'd gone and seen these aliens. But the, the abductees, the first abductees, um, well-known abductees were the Betty and Bunny, were Betty and Bunny Hill, and um, that incident happened in September of 1961. And, um, and, and so uh, prior to that, um, I, there were other people who had uh, experienced aliens. And there was one in the 1800s where I think G.W. Uh, Shaw, a guy called G.W. Shaw from the top of my head, I'm not quite sure whether I've got that, uh, the first initials correct, but uh, he was apparently abducted in the 1890s by um, an alien spacecraft that had landed in the jungle where he was. And he, and they took, they tried to take him uh, into the spacecraft, but he fought them and then Ran away, which is really weird. Uh, quite a quite a weird story, um, considering it was so early, you know, like in the eighteen hundreds, you know. Um, and with a characteristic but, similar to to what people describe today with U- UFOs. Yes, yeah. He he described them with big heads and big eyes and stuff. Uh, like he didn't go, uh, you know, too much into the description. There was no sketches or anything like that. Yeah. But um, if we go back to the Betty and Barney Hill incident. Um, Basically, uh, I don't know um, how much your audience knows about um, that incident, but um, there was a a mixed racial couple which were travelling on holidays, coming back from holidays from Niagara Falls, uh, going across the border to uh, New Hampshire, uh, travelling on a, a, a highway, um, going from uh, along in Indian Head and um, uh, just past Indian Head, about a kilometre past Indian Head, they saw a UFO uh, in the sky and Be- Betty first saw it and she alerted her, her husband uh, and they had their dog in the car at the, uh, at the time, Dulcie, um, and then they stopped the car to look at this uh, this uh, m- uh, moving light in the sky and it was evening, quite late in the evening, um, and... Um, uh, they were. It looked like the the this light was following them, and so they decided to get back in the car and start moving, um, and to get out of its way. Um, and basically, uh, they heard this beeping sound, and then all of a sudden they they had a memory loss, and then heard the beeping sound again, and then got when they got home, they, there was two hours of, of missing time, and that was the first time it was ever reported to uh, any anyone's ever reported missing time. You know, they were the first couple that ever reported missing time involved with a UFO incident. Uh, but when they got home, they found strange things. And Betty was saying, oh, look, we saw that UFO. Let's have a shower because we could be, you know, covered in radiation and God knows what. And um, uh, her dress was torn and she had this, this pink dust on her dress and they had um, circular spots 
uh, like polished spots on their car, which were um, when they put you when you put a compass to it, it would make the compass go crazy. Um, so there were certain bits, and Barney's shoes were scuffed on the inter- anterior surface. So that he doesn't know how that could have possibly happened unless he was dragged uh, with his arm, on, you know, with two people under his arms and his shoes were dragging behind him. So it was there were all these things that were happening to them that they, they just can't remember. And they weren't um, they weren't the type of people I understand that were prone to hyperbole or anything like that, were they? No, no, they were they were very um, uh, uh, prominent. Uh, members in the community. Um, she was a social worker. He was a postman, but he got involved in um, some civil, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, just responsibilities that he wanted to get involved with in terms of, um, you know, uh, in the community um, uh, for the, you know, good of the civically aware. Yes, yeah, civ- yeah, civil um, uh, duties that he was doing without being paid, whatever. Um, so they were credible people um, and uh, they were put back into regression and they, uh, they're they uh, by Dr. Simon, who um, was a qualified psychiatrist and basically um, uh, Barney uh, was uh, uh, told to uh, give a description of the actual alien and there was a guy later on in the 70s that actually also uh, spoke to him and, and got, uh, did some charcoal sketches, and the charcoal sketches are quite quite eerie. They look really weird. Like you, you look at these Barney's sketches of these aliens, and you sort of think, "Wow, that's exactly how I would picture an alien." Like it, they look really weird, and uh, like like humanoid, humanoid, but uh, not like the Whitley Strieber aliens, which look like um, praying mantids. If you look at a praying mantid's head, that's exactly what. With this driver's um, uh, drawn in his in the cover of his book, and I bought it. I bought his book, and I sort of thought, no, that's not exactly how they look like to me. Um, but uh, sorry, the, the pictures, the, the, the sketches they made, um, although yep. that was post regression. Was there? Because I understand they made a report um, to the local sheriff or air force or something about something, and the incident actually was. Um, you know, added to Project Blue Book in some way. That's right. Yeah. Um, did they? Yeah, they went to Piers. Okay. Just think of the timeline. Did they uh, only produce these sketches after you know regression involving the psychiatrist, or? Yeah. Look. Uh, anything before that? I think. I think uh, there's a bit of controversy here, and uh, they did go to Piers Air Force Base. Yeah. Uh, the day after the incident and and uh, reported it there and then they reported it to somebody else because they didn't get my, f- very far with the, the guy at Piers Air Force Base. Yeah. Um, but the, the next guy that they saw um, was interested and he believed them. So um, uh, basically what happened, they didn't, uh, uh, they didn't undergo uh, the hypnotic regression till till a, a fair bit later. I think maybe two years later, after the incident, because um, uh, Barney was getting more and more stressed. He was getting ulcers, and Betty was uh, getting very uh, frustrated. They were fighting, and um, uh, they said, "Look, we've just got to go and see some some professional to sort this out because it's it's just really just tearing us apart." Yeah. And uh, so the thing is that uh, the big controversy and the and the uh, the 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 debunkers are saying that in 1963, uh, two years after the incident, there was a program called The Outer Limits uh, that was airing. It was a black and white 
TV program involved. It was a brilliant, brilliant series. You can see it on YouTube today. Um, and there was a, a modern version of it done, which was nowhere near as good. But Rod Sterling was the narrator of that um, he, original. He from the, um, uh, what's it called, Twilight Zone, right? That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so basically he was the narrator, but the, the concepts were very, very interesting in some of those. Uh, but they had aliens in a lot of their series. And uh, there was one, uh, an alien, it was called the Bifrost alien from the Bolero Shield. There was a, 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 a series, called, sorry, there was a, one of the series was called the Bolero Shield. And it was this uh, scientist that was trying to put a beam into the sky um, and accidentally caught an alien. And it came back down to earth and that they had the creature there with the sort of like, it looked like wrapped round eyes, but they weren't wrapped round eyes. If you look at the actual creature properly, um, if you call up, you know, Bolero Shield and by Frostalian and um, the Demunkers were saying, look, Barney must have seen the outer limits and therefore that's how he came up with this, the shape of this creature's head. Um, but it's nothing like it. It's absolutely nothing like it. The, the Bifrost alien has got normal eyes, but it's just the fatty tissue around the, and it's uh, around this head and it's got folds, which make it look like it's um, an elongated eye, but it's not. So it really, and I don't think Barney, uh, what, from what Betty, Betty Hill was saying, he never saw the series. Um, but they'll, they'll do anything to try and, um, I mean, where's the proof that he saw the series on TV? He was a postman. He was working late. He was doing night shifts, and um, apparently the the Outer Limits was was um, aired at a, a later time at night. Obviously, you don't want to you want to air something that's eerie and scary in the night time. You don't want to air it in the daytime. Just in those um, days, it was limited. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, like- and they didn't have videos. They didn't have you know, like you had to watch things when they were on. You know. Yeah. Um, you know the good old days, <laughs> um, but but uh, uh, so, so there was a lot of a lot of debunkers were trying to say that he concocted the whole thing based on some of the aliens that were shown on the Limp series, which I don't think is is true. But you say that their experience predates that series, correct? Was start of that series? Did you yeah, say? yeah. Their experience, their experience was in '61, and and the, um, the Outer Limits was first aired in the United States. Yeah. In '63, but in Australia, it, and I know that no, not sure about New Zealand, but it was aired here in the six, late '60s. Okay, yeah, yeah. I do remember there being a bit of a um, a reboot of that, sort of in the when was that late '80s, early '90s, somewhere in. Yeah, yeah, and you could get. I, I mean, I got, I got the cassette. You know, the old cassettes. Um, you yeah, could buy exactly. them from video stores. You know. Yeah. And you can see the YouTube versions of them. It was quite interesting. Like, I mean, uh, I wish I watched them live, but it was just amazing. You know, some of the concepts and everything were very interesting and very, very well done. The acting was really good as well. But anyway. It's interesting how the, as I said, the classic grey alien, the image of that has, has developed over the year. And they haven't really strayed too much from the path in terms of, you know, Hollywood Hollywoodizing sort of the, the whole. Yeah. Alien phenomenon. It's um, they tend to stick to the sort of narrative, don't they? In that respect, yeah. I suppose it's that's the image that you know most people recognise, isn't it? And it's the one that you know little kids pointed to a blown up sort of balloon that's shaped like it, and they say alien, alien. You know what I mean? So it's it's has become sort of part of you know vernacular almost. So yeah, interesting. 
at the time, so 61 or so, I mean, there was a bit of UFO sort of fever hit sort of in the late 60s, wasn't there? Particularly when, uh, you know, everyone was talking about going to the moon and stuff like that. Did they, yep. uh, Betty and Barney, did their story gain momentum during that period? Um, because for what I understand, they wanted to sort of not keep it quite entirely, but they once they reported to the Air Force, they were maybe advised by some people to to let the story die. Um, yeah, um, well, I think that there was a, um, uh, a reporter that actually leaked their story um, uh, when they didn't want it published in the Colorado Daily or something like that, a newspaper, and they were quite upset about it. Um, but after it was leaked, they were comfortable with it. And um, But Barney died in 1969, so he didn't really have much time to appreciate anything and Betty lived on. But um, uh, it really... Uh, there was one um, TV TV uh, movie that was made called, I think it was the UFO incident. I'm not quite sure. Is that the? I'm not. I think that's the title. I'm not sure though. Uh, there was a book called The Interrupted Journey. I know that. But there was a in 1975. There was a um, a movie called um, uh, the uh, the UFO incident. I, You'd have to Google it. I, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think that's what it was called. And basically, it had. Um, uh, two very good actors um, uh, portraying Betty and Barney Hill. And um, uh, so I think that's what started it. That movie started um, a huge, you know, like a snowballing effect uh, where um, uh, ufologies, um, you know, like just the. Guys like, uh, guys like George Adamski were, you know, UFOs were everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it sort of took 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 a uh, um, went full steam after that um, after that movie, mm, absolutely. And the UFO community, and obviously it went sort of like a little bit mainstream because a lot of people seeing that you know the it was it was very well advertised I think in the time, and basically um, it went it like it, it showed around the world. I think um, it, it screened around the world. So. Doing and just doing a bit of research for this evening, I uh, was trying to track down a photograph I'd seen in my younger days, um, and I was wondering if you could help me because I couldn't seem to find. It. I used all the right Google uh, word, keywords and so forth, but I just couldn't quite yep. track it down. It was taken, well, allegedly, I don't know for sure, by uh, a police officer, and it's a guy, well, a guy, it's some sort of entity in a metallic suit. Uh, on the motorway in the United States, um, approximately in the early seventies. Does that ring a bell with you? Um, and you got a pretty good photo of the whatever it is in a silver costume. Um, you right. Know. Are you not talking about um, uh, uh, Sergeant Zamora? No. No, because I did look that up. That was the one who got his, yeah. his car got hit by a UFO, didn't he? No, no, that that's um, that's a different person. Um, so, Lenore Zamora um, actually was uh, living in Colorado, and um, basically he was a policeman, and he actually uh, heard an explosion when he was driving his car, and he thought it was something um, uh, he had to investigate, and he uh, got up to um, this cliff face, and he looked down, and he saw um, a craft that had landed, an egg-shaped craft that had an insignia on it, and saw. Um, two entities come out and walk around um, yeah. 
And I don't know whether he took a photograph of I don't think he took a photograph no, of it. It's but, um, definitely, it was definitely a different uh, photograph. I don't think I've, yeah. I don't think it's a Mandela. Or I, 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 don't, I don't know of the incident you're talking about, although no, I thought I'd like to be annoying because it's actually a really good photo. Um, it's yeah. something in a silver suit. The cop gets out of his car and he said he took the picture, at, you know, relatively close range, 20 feet or so. Was it, was it published on the internet or? Uh, originally, I would have seen it in one of those, you know, Arthur C. Clarke kind of books, um, I suspect. Oh, okay. What, the actual photo or was it just a, a, like the a photo and the, and the information? There was no mention of a flight. Photo any, right. um, okay. But, yeah, I just thought you might, might know of it. I, mean, but I'll, uh, I have to hunt a bit further. Someone listening, I'm sure, will um, will know what photo I'm talking about and uh, and get that to mm. be good if you could. Um, yeah, I mean, what is, I was going to ask your impression uh, on the Solway Firth Spaceman um, taken in 1964 near Cumbria, uh, quite a famous uh, UFO photo. Well, not UFO photo, but unexplained photo where it appears to be a spaceman kind of hovering in the background uh, behind a young girl. Well, who's, a little girl, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fine. Yeah, I, um, I haven't really um, uh, gone into that one in any great depth, but um, I, it, it, the debunkers are saying it's just a double exposure. Um, and uh, I don't know whether, you know, like the uh, there's been enough analysis on it to say, look, it can't be a double exposure. But what's to say that, um, you know, what what they're saying is that there was no one there at the time. But you would just have to take the word of the photographer that there was no one behind the girl when, there was, when he was taking the photograph. But the, the, the thing behind her doesn't really look like a spaceman to me. It just looks like a human. Um, I and don't know. The, um, I could, the, the angle, it's kind of... Yeah. Sort of slanted about um, forty five degrees one way, isn't it? And then kind of gives yeah. the impression it could be a balloon, something like that, flying. Oh, off the top of my head, like look, I've got the picture in my mind, but I, I, it looks like human. But um, I don't know whether I could. Yeah, it definitely looks like somebody that's like a humanoid, human person behind her. It could be the same but, um, that the uh, that the cop took a picture of earlier. Never yeah. know. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So uh, the first one, Alashenko. So uh, I don't know. What, with your viewers, obviously, probably haven't heard of it. Some of you may have, but um, it's it's a creature that um, was found by a, a, a Russian lady when she was walking through a forest in the night. Uh, she heard some scurrying footsteps and decided to turn her flash light towards it and found this and this is real this is not hoaxed this mm-hmm. is not hoaxed a creature that looked like uh, uh, a humanoid picked it up took it home and started feeding it and it looked it looked like a, a, a baby fetus but it couldn't be a fetus because obviously a fetus would not would not um survive yeah. um uh it, it it had a very very weird looking skeletal structure in the sense that it only had I think three skull bones, and we normally have six skull bones. Um, it, it had, um, uh, I think, six ribs, and uh, normal humans have twelve. Um, and it looked very weird, but a very, very small creature, and apparently alive. Um, so there's been a, again. I I read about this years and years ago. And there was a little bit on the internet about it, but now there's an awful lot more on the internet about it because uh, obviously people didn't um, let this thing go. They just kept on researching it. And now there's even YouTube videos of the 
of the her daughter-in-law who actually saw the alien when it was alive they're interviewing her um so basically this creature she said um when it was in the forest it was giving out this like a whistling sound and uh, which attracted her attention and she she didn't know what it was and she adopted it as if it was her own child because she thought this is like a, a, a you know like a kid in the wilderness and basically it needs to but unfortunately this this russian lady had a problem and a psychological problem she had schizophrenia um so she, uh, regardless she took the baby home uh, uh the, the creature home and decided to nurse it but um uh, a couple of weeks later her daughter-in-law and her uh, friend came over to visit her and she saw this creature and she says um what are you doing with this thing you know it's got to we've got to bring the police because it's you know it could be a baby and then when she looked at it properly she goes oh my god no it's not a baby it's something else and uh so she decided not to call the police um but she actually saw her feeding this creature and she said it was definitely alive um but what happened um the old russian lady took sick and she had to go to the hospital they had to admit her to the hospital and then she said to the the people that were taken to the hospital that um no I can't go to the hospital I'm gonna I'll leave the baby you know the baby will, will be left home and I I won't have you know no one there's there's no one there to feed him feed her or whatever him or her um and uh, so they thought she was just crazy because she had schizophrenia and said look don't worry your baby will be fine um assuming that she had nothing there and so they took her to hospital she was there for a couple of weeks the baby died the, the creature died and uh what happened the, her daughter-in-law came in into her apartment saying i wonder if that creature is still there because she's been in the hospital and i wonder who's been looking after it anyway she found the creature deceased her friend took it to his apartment um and called the police and the police um went over to his apartment uh looked at the creature and they said oh what is that you know and said uh, I think I want to take this for DNA analysis, you know, because it looks quite weird, you know, like it anyway, to get a long story short, there's a lot of different endings to um the story and you don't know which one is real, but one of the endings is that the creature was going to be taken to a place where they could actually do um proper forensic analysis. Uh but on the way to the laboratory um the person that was going to deliver it to the lab was stopped by a ufo which landed on the road and took the creature back um which sounds a bit far fetched because um the person that was actually um involved in transporting the creature to the laboratory um won't won't give any details as to what actually happened like where what and where in the road did he stop what actually did the creatures do when they came at it what description they, so it sounds like it's 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 rubbish Plant, it's just a, they just made it up yeah. yeah and so what they think happened is that the um the KGB must have got involved uh paid somebody off and taken the creature because it was never found after um it uh, but anyway apparently they got a sample of the cloth that the creature was um it could have been a blood sample or a skin scraping sample or something like that that uh, it was of the cloth that the creature was actually wrapped in when the lady got it from the um the forest and she kept it in that one cloth and uh, the her daughter-in-law um uh, said yes that's the cloth you know she identified the cloth and so they did a DNA analysis on that and they said that um they had uh, some very strange um results 
but they won't elaborate on it. So said they were saying that the DNA molecule was extremely elongated. Now I don't I know I know a bit about genetics, but I don't know what they mean by that. And there also was a gene that was not known to humans. Now I don't know what they mean by that as well. But what I did do is actually email the laboratory in Russia and and I did it in Russian. Yeah. Um, not that I can read Russian, but you can actually <laughs> go, you can do Google Translate. Yeah. Um, I can can read a bit of Russian, but um being of Slavic origin, I can I can read a little bit. Um, but I sent them an email a while ago, like a week ago. I haven't received a response yet. But I just said, look, you know, um, you know what what you know when you did the gene sequence, um, what did you come up with? Because it's not clear, you know, in the, in the YouTube videos that are, you know, because apparently the, this institute um, did actually do do a DNA analysis on the creature, um, on the creature's blood. Yeah. So it'd be interesting if they reply. Uh, but it, it's it's a fascinating story, um, and it's not a hoax. Um, they videoed the creature uh, when it was dead. They show you its structure and everything, and uh, it looks bizarre. Um, it's it's such a small creature, but you still like wonder whether um, you know, like something that small with that smaller brain can have that bigger capacity. But what they're saying is that that was a baby grey alien. So. Um, and Who what, knows? I mean, what, what happened to the um, what happened to the corpse? Okay, so the the corpse was um, uh, lost, and they think that the KGB had got involved okay. and um, yeah. confiscated it. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so the Atacama humanoid is similar to this um, this creature. Um, uh, the Atacama humanoid was found in the Atacama Desert in Chile. It's believed to be over a hundred years old, and it's 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 sort of like mummified. Uh, it was found in a graveyard by um, uh, a guy uh, who found it in a, in a shoot like a shoebox with cotton wool, and he took it to Spain. And then Stephen Greer, um, I don't know whether uh, your your audience know about Stephen Greer. He's a very well known um, ufologist um, who um, uh, was told about the creature, and um, he said, "Oh wow, you know, it looks really weird." Um, can I do some analysis on it? And he had the, the serious project, which um, involved um, a genetic analysis on the creature. Um, there's a bit of controversy about that. I don't know. Um, if you look it up, um, there was genetic analysis done at Stanford University on it, um, and they're all saying it's human. Mm. You know, it's a hoax. It's it's not a hoax. It's now The creature is a real creature, but um, it's just human. Um now, there's, there's a lot of controversy over that. If you look at the picture, um, it doesn't look human at all. It just doesn't look like a fetus. It's like a fetus has got splayed legs, where this thing's got straight legs. It's, and, he, and Greer was saying, he's a medical doctor. So Stephen Greer's a medical doctor. He's an accident and emergency specialist. So he's not a stupid person. He's a very, very intelligent guy. Um, he knows a lot about medicine. Um, and he spoke to... Um, a bone specialist called uh, Dr. Ralph Blackman, and uh, he is—he wrote the textbook on bone dysplasia. Um, and when he looked at the creature, he says, "There's no way this is human." You know, he said, uh, basically, there's no way that the, the bone. There's, you know, there's no genes that can produce this dysplasia. Anyway, um, <coughs> excuse me. After that, after showing it to Ralph Lockman. Um, Greer then went ahead and uh, said that he wanted genetic analysis done. So he went to Stanford University and saw a guy called Gary Nolan. 
Um, Gary uh, was also interested in, in, you know, UFOs and that. Um, he's a he's a scientist. He's very he's got a chair at Stanford University. He's got his own laboratory, and he said, "Yeah, sure, I'd be really interested to do, you know, an analysis on this on this um, creature." Anyway, his initial genetic analysis, which involved some sequencing, uh, came up with the result that ten percent of mutate the mutations that they found in in that creature's genome were not matching for humans. Now, if you look at that, 10% is massive. Mm. Um, 3%, so basically we differ from chimpanzees by 3%. So 97% of our genome is the same as the chimpanzees, okay? So if the creature had a 10% difference, which means that there's 90%, we only share 90% of it, that is massive. Like it's massively different. So if if ninety seven percent is is chimpanzee, um, if you've got ninety percent, it's it's we're we're so distant from this creature that it's not even funny, you know. Yeah. Um, that was his first analysis. Then what happened? He um, decided to do more work on it, but in the meantime, what happened is Nolan was approached by some intel people from the intelligence community. And basically they said, um, we're going to give you $3 million to work on a project if you do what we say, apparently. Now, I've got to watch what I say here because um, I don't want to get into the legal aspects of this. But um, what happened is uh, Nolan then did um, a much larger gene sequence on the on the humanoid and he came up with um, uh, the conclusions that this was purely a human um, ent- uh, human creature, basically. Uh, sorry, human creature. Uh, it was a human human fetus that had multiple gene mutations that were coding for these bone dysplasias. Now. Initially, sorry, Nolan was saying for this creature to have so many bone dysplasia gene mutations, uh, it would be completely impossible for that. It'd be infinite, the chances of it are infinitesimally small for this creature to have so many gene mutations to cause so much bone dysplasia. But then he changed his mind, published this article in a very, very reputable journal which you can get off the internet. It was peer-reviewed, but apparently Greer is saying, and he's gone on YouTube and he said basically that um, he knows a person who is one of the world's most renowned geneticists. In other words, this guy um, was... He's the top geneticist in the world, but he won't disclose his name. Anyway, he spoke to him. He he said, what did you think of Nolan's publication? And this person responded by saying that, quote, he said he would give it it a zero, um, uh, he'd give it a zero rating (laughs) in terms of, uh, in terms of scientific, um, Acumen. So, so basically, he's not giving them much credence then. No, no credibility. 
no credibility in the paper. Then uh, he said that just just the way they handled the the thing. The, the reason being is that with an old with old DNA, right? With ancient DNA, and this is well, it's not ancient, but it's you know like over a hundred years old that's been desiccated. Um, you get oxidation of the DNA bases. So DNA is made of um, four different bases: A, G, C, and T. So adenine. Uh, adenine, ty- tyrosine, cytosine, and guanine. So basically these bases get oxidised and you can't tell whether if it's been oxidised, whether it's a mutation or not. So um, basically what they're saying is that he has actually um, said that um, these mutations, uh, he's, he's actually um Sorry, I'm to see if I can uh, word this properly because uh, it's a bit complicated. Um, he's saying that the oxid- oxidized DNA was mistaken for gene mutations, and that's why um, he's he's saying that this is now human, but it's got all these mutations in it because. Um, uh, but he's uh, Greer is saying that it's it's actually um, oxidized DNA that he's calling a mutation. If you know what I mean. Was there was there ever um, any scope to uh, well an investigation to find the mother? Um, the mother they, I, d- I don't think so. <clears throat> oh, actually, um, uh, they they did that when they did the initial genetic analysis. I know that they they said that the mother was a Chilean um, uh, local mm-hmm. uh, based on the DNA, but um, uh, uh, it's it doesn't discount, I suppose, the possibility that it could be a hybrid. I don't know. Um, so they don't know who the father father is. And if they're saying that, um, you know, it's it's an alien, well, then it can't be if it's, you know, if it's got a, a terrestrial mother. Mm-hmm. But if it's a terrestrial mother that's been, you know, like if, uh, they talk about human hybrids, um, if you want to, you know, speculate that it, 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 it was a human hybrid, but then you could you could probably you know wield that argument. Wield the uh, bring the old reptilian argument out of the closet. Bit of David Icke for you. Oh, I don't want to talk about reptilians. <laughs> uh, I don't believe them. You know, that's just going too far for me. I think I'll just stick to the greys. Yeah, just yeah. You got to choose one thing in, in this game, don't you? Stick to it. It's all right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, what's your favourite? Um, Alien picture or evidence of alien picture um, of all time? Of all time? Uh, well, it'd have to be the Silverman one. Um, yeah. I, I just, uh, I, it just bring, it, when I first saw it, it just gave me a very uneasy feeling. Like it, it just, I don't know how to describe it. And I just like, uh, um, it just, uh, I don't know. It, it, a lot of people, some people look at it and say, oh, it's just fake. You know, it's just ludicrously just fake. But um, yeah, I went into, um, uh, a blog called Above Top Secret now. Um, usually you get a lot of fairly high IQ people going to some of these like Reddit and, and, and Above Top Secret, and they're people that, that look at things very, very rationally. Um, but someone was saying on Above Top Secret, one of the, one of the, uh, um, the, the bloggers was saying that uh, uh, basically he said, um, it looks like it's got a mask on it. Again, he's like highlighted the, the head region because it, its face doesn't look right. Like it looks like too humanoid. And um, he said, oh, it looks like it's got a, you know, it could be a mask on it. But the, the way that um, 
Charlotte May and the one that the, the granddaughter of the the the, the minister that um, gave the the creature prayed over the creature. She the way she described it, she said it had um, had a sort of like an aluminium type hat on it, and this thing looks like it's got that. And she said it looked like it looked really skinny, and it looked like it had this silver coating to it, and um, it, it just describes it like very well. And the only thing is that um, she's saying that she remembers the 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 two men that were holding it holding it under its armpit and also its arms but this is not what's happening in the um in the photo of the um of the silver man photo so um what i'm thinking sorry i draw some parallels uh for me with the picture of that rhesus monkey i think it is um that that they purported was some sort of mysterious ape and and there's those two guys either side of it sort of propping it up Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder if there was any inspiration from that or <laughs> um Yeah, I think I think I know which one you're talking about, but um I, yeah, it doesn't relate to the Silver Man photo. I don't think um uh it just um is a completely different thing, I think. Um or the, the the idea about it being a shaved monkey is ludicrous. Um if you look up shaved monkey on Google, um some of it you give I'll give you some images of chimpanzees that have lost all their hair and they look nothing like this creature i mean you can see the anatomy of this creature is humanoid in, in absolutely all respects mm-hmm. um that it's it's different it's it's humanoid but it's it, yeah, you've got to you know like emphasize oid humanoid it's not yeah. human but it's human like but it's nothing like a primate nothing like it i mean we're primates as well but it's i suppose nothing like a chimpanzee because the chimpanzees femurs are really quite stout they're smallish they're they're chunky and they're they're, mus- they're very muscly. Um, this thing is nothing like that. And it, it, even if you look at a spider monkey, um, it's it's it, again it's nothing like this this thing here. Um, and it just it just creeps me out because I'm thinking, well, what is it? You know, like how did they do that in the 1940s? Um, it it looks real. It's casting a shadow. Um, it's not a man. There's no way it's a mannequin because it's 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 upright and it's being like it's got its head still. You know, like its neck is supporting its head. There's nothing behind it. Um, it's it's really quite weird. Um, I still like thought. Well, you know, like um, you know, um, a lot of people have. It's been bagged so many times by people saying it's a hoax you know and it, like sometimes you've got to be objective about things you know if people say it's a hoax something's a hoax you'll believe it eventually if enough people say to you it's a hoax but if you look at it rationally and objectively um you can see through some of the things which are not very obvious to other people um and i did with this thing and it does not Look like what they state. But do you think yeah, it's definitely not? Do you think that's just because to a lot of people it's just too fantastic? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's too fantastic for some people. But it like could it be the creature that um they got out of the the spaceship in, in the Cape Girardeau incident? Mm. Could it be a creature that they photographed of the Roswell incident? I don't know. Um, and and is it a creature that they've actually superimposed as a montage on that photograph? Um, and you know, like, uh, and then in doing that, in creating a montage, and saying, "Look, it's a montage," you know, it's obvious. So it's a hoax. 
Well, not necessarily. Just wait one second. You know, like it could be a real creature that's montaged on another photograph to make it look like a hoax, but it's still a real creature. And what's the best way of hiding something but in plain sight? You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it just, you know, it could just, um, and, and like most of the photos you see on the internet, you know, like are so obviously fake <laughs> and there's nothing that I've seen yeah. so far that even remotely compares to this. And it's such an old photograph. And look, usually like you, you would have thought, okay, well, this is, if this was it done in the 40s, it could have been like in prior to Roswell or Roswell. So, you know, there wouldn't have been a precedence for anyone to hush this up, you know. So maybe they took a photograph, they decided, well, you know, like it's being covered up right now, but let's just let's just do this thing where we're going to montage something real onto this other photograph and um, as a joke, but actually it's real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and you know they they didn't have the the weight wave proof to actually do that in those days in terms of you know um, Photoshop or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, have you or anyone else tried to locate anyone that um, resembles the? Because you get a, quite a clear shot of the silver man's face, don't you? Is anyone who's yep. ever, you know come forward if it is a hoax to say um, I was involved in the project? Um, no. Or is anyone no. is anyone recognised the person in the picture effectively? No. Um, uh, they uh, in, in above top secret. Somebody was saying that it was a mask. Other people were saying, look, it's an airbrushed face into the real image. You know, and um, uh, no one's come up with. No one has ever said that they faked the photo. So. That, that in itself is is quite weird because, you know, like, um, if it is a fake, well, then why didn't the perpetrator just come up and, well, no, we're not saying it's a perpetrator or perpetrator of the hoax, I suppose. I mean, it's not an, it's not an illegal act. No. Um, they're not, they're not going to get fined for it. They're not going to get jailed for it. Why not just come up and say, ha, ha, I just, I did that and I filled a lot of people. Mm. But no one ever did. Well, I think after a while you start to believe your own lies, don't you? That's part of it. Yeah. Um, Where do you the, you sorry, know, the, go ahead. The Cape Girardeau photograph, um, we know the photographer. Oh, is that right? We've got his name. Yeah, we know the photographer of the Cape Girardeau instance. That it's always took good the photograph, But that photograph is gone. So, but what is it, the photograph? So is the photograph that was taken at Cape Girardeau this alien that you're seeing in this other montage of the silver man is that the is that the alien you know that there was taken at Gerardo in 41 what's your position on autopsy films obviously the most well the you know the ray was ray santilli film wasn't it was the first one to come out um people pointed to inconsistencies in the age of uh the, the phone on the wall that was being used and a few you know sort of uh, technological developments that didn't quite fit the era um i think within the past we might have you don't have, have a high opinion of that particular video but you think there could be another one that is is legit yeah um <clears throat> um when I first saw it years and years ago, um, I, I sort of like thought, no, it's a fake. 
um, uh, basically because I have done autopsies before um, on people. Um, in when I uh, very very early on, when I was quite a young scientist, um, I I won't mention names or places, but I I did perform autopsies on babies and on adults. And as a neuroscientist, I've cut many a human brain and spinal cord up, and I've actually taken brains out of skulls. Now I I I know exactly the procedure, and I know how to do. Although I was doing it in the in the nineties. And in two thousands, um, uh, I did the, the the when I was very young. I did those two those few autopsies in the eighties. So basically, um, I know the procedure. But I, you know, this this was apparently done. This autopsy was apparently done in forty seven. Uh, so the 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 uh, the setup would have been slightly different. But um, I know the procedure. But um, I, I, when I look at this video. Um, I, I don't know why the I, they're in hazmat outfits, which is correct, um, and and certainly some of the procedures they're doing are correct. But they, it, it's it's they. I think they're just dealing with something. Like if this was an alien creature, um, why are there only two two people in in one very basic autopsy room dealing with this creature? I mean, this is one of the most important things or important autopsies ever done on the face of the earth so why isn't not being done under proper conditions where you are um very very careful with everything um and, and they just seem to be doing it like a normal autopsy and basically also they're using a saw to cut the skull which is ridiculous you don't use a saw you use a circular saw you know and they were around in the 40s um, so it just smacked of hoax to me. Mm. Um, uh, and I don't know how they did it because, um, you know, when, and you've got, uh, and I've, I've looked at videos where, um, they've had animation experts, you know, look at it and they saying, gee, I don't know how they did that because, um, it looks fake. But then when you cut, when they, when you see them cut the, the, um, the skin of the alien or alleged alien, um, it bleeds, you know, and how did they do, how did they do that? You know? Um, but if you if you um, go to um, um, Phil Mantle's website, so Phil Phil Mantel was is is a guy, is a ufologist in the UK. Um, he's proven that that autopsy film is a fake, without a doubt. And um, although there are some prominent ufologists um, who I won't name, um, are still thinking that it is a, a legitimate film. Um, and even you know, like people like um, uh, Clifford Stone, who was um, an interfacer, you uh, 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 extraterrestrial. In- what he called himself an interfacer, where if a crash, if a spacecraft crashed, he had to go and interface with the if the being the beings if they were alive and survived the crash. He said that basically he saw something very similar to that film um, many many years ago in fifties or, or the sixties. Um, uh, in, in a training video, and uh, basically, then uh, there's also other people that say said that they saw us, you know, uh, uh, the exact same video, not a similar video, but the exact same video um, years earlier. But uh, it can't be real. Like, I mean, there's no way that that autopsy film can be uh, what they saw. Maybe they saw something different, and maybe their memories are not allowing them to admit that, you know, basically that this is a, a different sort of film. Mm. It could be a situation where 
maybe maybe some Hollywood types or budding, you know, film directors and, and producers and actors and stuff got together and made a video. Um, maybe things got a little bit out of hand and um, someone yeah, else. But Centilli, Centilli then also um, acknowledged that it wasn't a real, it was a hoax video. And he yeah. said that basically he um, uh, uh, just had to do something because there is a real video, but it was set in such deteriorate, you know, so deteriorated that he had to redo the whole thing, which just, you know, like negates the whole uh, concept of it well, being it real. It creates more disinformation, doesn't it? I mean, uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and bias against the uh, sort of disclosure movement, as it were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 can imagine that they would have done an autopsy if they, you know if Roswell is real and if uh, they you know the aliens were there were aliens there there were extraterrestrials there extraterrestrial biological entities that they had they would definitely perform an autopsy on them because um uh, you know you'd be absolutely crazy not to but it would be under the most strictest conditions possible and it would be meticulously done. These guys, when they're, you know, I can see when they're cutting, they don't know what they're doing. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, hang on, why are you hesitating? You know, like uh, they're just, the way that they're, they're cutting the corpse, the way that they're, you know, manipulating the leg and all that sort of stuff, well, it just doesn't make sense. I, I, it just seems fake to me. They're probably so. I'm speaking from a person, I, I'm, you know, I'm a scientist that's actually done yeah. autopsies before, so. I was going to say they're, they're probably shoot, uh, sous chefs uh, moonlighting as actors or, or the other way around. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, brief, the brief was probably for someone who could handle a knife, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm like you with that one. I'm, I'm pretty unconvinced, but, who, you know. Who's yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not to say that uh, an autopsy film may, may exist out there, um, Particularly and, uh, if, you, if you give some validity to uh, what Bob Lazar and guys like that have said, you know, in terms of actually seeing entities on the base, you know, all of this is quite possible. Yeah. Um, it's just when you get, you know, bozos, for lack of a better term, making a video that sort of is, is divisive right from the start, um, yes. you know, you, you drive people away from, uh, you know, accepting things, don't you? Well, it, it could have been um, a, a complete government disinformation thing. Mm. Um, we, you know, like uh, uh, ufology sometimes, it, it's, it's an extremely complex subject. Mm. Um, it just baffles me how extremely complex this field is. Um, and basically it, the, the, there is a force that sets it up to fall for a fall on occasions. So uh, the whole field will be set up for a fall and it just has to be somebody that's going to do something like the Valian autopsy where it'll set the whole field up for a fall, but then again it comes back up and, the you know, like you just need um, to just let that go and then basically you're, you're back to square one um, the Batman balloon was another incident. I mean, um, there's, there's a lot more uh, going on in that regard with the UAP task force is actually looking into um, uh, the, the release of a, of a balloon, which everyone thought was a UFO. Um, I thought it was a Batman balloon, you know, like a, it's a shape of a Batman balloon, but now the UAP task force is saying, no, it's an actual UFO. Um, so... Um, and recently, um, and that's an uh, important Mystery distinction, White. though, isn't it? Sorry, 
it's an important distinction that, that they've said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it basically, um, you know, like uh, I, I'm just I'm just saying that as an example um, uh, where, uh, um, and I did another podcast with them uh, in America about this, uh, where we're discussing this um, this uh, balloon, which well, alleged alleged balloon. Uh, we don't know what it is. You know, um, it hasn't. It no one can prove it's a balloon. No one can prove it's a UAV or UFO. Um, so it's, it's in that hard basket. And, um, basically, um, although, you know, like, um, there was a lot in the media, then it, it went around the world and everyone was saying, ah, ha, ha, you know, now you follow just, you know, suck eggs because basically, um, you know, again, you've been set up for a fall and you've, you've, you know, you've taken the bait. Um, but, and uh, I, I still like thought it was a, a UAV to start off with. And then I quickly changed my mind and said, no, it, Definitely, it's it's a, it's a balloon, but um, you know, like I mean, we're always to the test. You know, like a, or if you if you classify yourself as a ufologist, I mean, basically, you're always going to be put to the test where um, you're going to be um, uh, set up for a fall. Maybe you might believe something is 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 a is a UFO, and then that's why, as, as the MUFON director of New Zealand and Australia, I've got to be very careful about what I call an un, an unknown or a UFO. Um, when the public uh, sends us reports, we've got to scrutinise it. Um, we've got to do our due diligence and we've got to find out whether it could possibly be classified as anything else other than a UFO. And once we've exhausted every all our resources and we can't classify it, then we call it an unknown. But um, people do give us hoaxes and they. So, I mean, there's well-known instances where um, people have actually um, gone to a great extent to produce a, a, a hoax in reality, not a keystroke hoax. Um, a keystroke hoax is where uh, someone will type up a, an, a, a rubbish UFO sighting and um, then they'll, they'll get you to investigate it, but there's nothing to it because it's just a hoax. Uh, some people will actually um, stage a hoax in reality. Uh, they'll, they'll, you know, like um, do something elaborate where they'll, go up on the top of a mountain and let off a, you know, a Chinese lantern or something and report a UFO. Um, you've got to be careful in those situations that you cover all your bases before you call it a UFO because then they'll turn around and say, ha here's a photograph of someone, you know, letting off the UFO that you said it was a UFO, but it's actually a Chinese lantern. So you've got to be, you know, you've got to be careful that you don't fall into that. Um, it's, it's, an, it's, yeah, it's important to make the distinction between UFO and, and you know, unidentified aerial phenomena, isn't it? I mean, um, people's minds kind of just default to flying saucer when they hear UFO. I mean, understand yeah. that, right? So, yep. yeah, it is important to have some sort of separation there when it comes to reporting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we just call them an unknown. So um, we uh, we don't we don't um, basically we don't have a UF. We don't classify anything as a UFO or a UAP. So in our database, it's always called an unknown. Yeah. Um, so we cover ourselves legally in terms of you know what 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 you know um, in that that word is so non-specific that yeah. um, you know we just don't know what it is. You know, we're not committing ourselves either way. Sure. And I think that's sensible because then, you know, no one can say, oh, you know, like uh, you called it an unknown. But I says, well, it's unknown to us because we don't have the resources to determine whether it's a, you know, Chinese lantern. You know, we, we don't have a telescope that's going to, 
uh, you know, with that's going to enable us to see it in, in all its clarity. That's going to, you know, tell us that it's, an, you know, whatever. What is new with Move On Australia, anything like that? Because I like to give out a kind of bit of a shout out and let people know what's new and what you're doing and that sort of thing. Um, uh, we're just still we're still chugging along. Basically, we've got um, uh, about eight investigators, and um, we'd we'd like to you know like um, encourage people to join yep. um, our membership. And we are currently going through the New Zealand cases. Um, I was the only investigator doing New Zealand cases. Um, we don't have anybody on board in New Zealand. Yep. Um, Basically, we need um, we need more people joining up as as um, MUFON members. That would be good. Um, uh, we're thinking of having uh, conferences or uh, meetings. Um, COVID nineteen made it difficult. Uh, it put a you know a kibosh on all the meetings that we were going to have. And but we can actually use MS Teams. We can we can have online uh, meetings. Um, if you're a member, um, basically they're free. They're going to be free. Um, and uh, I haven't organised them yet, but we're going to be talking about um, interesting cases um, that we uh, find in MUFON and also just general ufology. Um, if anyone you know wants to bring something up or if anybody um, like uh, wants to talk about their experiences, well, then um, these online uh, meetings will be a good platform to do it on. Um, and they, yeah. can, they can get in touch with you just through is Facebook best for you guys? Yeah, Facebook would be good. Um, and um, they could just uh, yeah, go to Facebook and then just express their interest and then I can send them a link. And um, and then you just click on the link at the appropriate time and date and basically join the meeting. Uh, otherwise, um, it would be great to have face-to-face meetings, but it just um, it makes it very difficult because, um, uh, you know, especially in Australia and New Zealand, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to find a place um, uh, to meet. Um, people have to travel great distances. Um, there's, you know, like um, we can we can get numbers of a, of a couple of hundred people, but you know, like it it, it would it would mean they'd be travelling, you know, great distances to get to to a, a particular um, a venue. Um, maybe that may, might be something that could be an annual thing, um, and and we're we're really interested in doing something like that. Um, uh, I've done seminars with other groups where we've had a couple of hundred people together and I've gone through some of the most interesting cases um, uh, in, in Australia and New Zealand. And um, uh, uh, that, that was a quite, a, quite a, uh, you know, a successful meeting according to the conveners. Um, we had a packed audience and uh, 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 the YouTube, it's gone on YouTube and it's got um, a couple of thousand views and... Um, 61 likes and no dislikes, which I thought was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, so uh, so basically I'd like to do more of that. I really um, love to get my teeth into something like that. Well, I'm very much a nuts and bolts scientist, so I um, I like having hard evidence and, and analysing it, and um, I, I don't like talking about anything mystical or, you know, like I'm a bit sceptical about, about some of the abduction scenarios that people are you know, like I, I, I don't touch abductions apart from the very famous ones of Travis Walton and, and Betty and Barney Hill, which were classic um, abductions. In fact, I heard something about Travis Walton today that one of the 
one of the guys that witnessed um, him being, you know, like beamed up and into the UFO because there were, I think, five of them. Yeah. Uh, they were waiting in their truck and watching what Travis was doing, being beamed up by a, a, a tractor beam. Um, one of them was actually bribed by um, a guy a guy called um, one of the debunkers at the time in the 70s, um, and his name was... Um, uh, uh, oh, I've just forgotten his name, but uh, he was a well-known debunker, uh, Philip Class. So he actually uh, knocked on the door of one of the one of the guys that actually witnessed it and said, "I'll give you ten thousand dollars if you actually rubbish the whole thing, you know, the whole incident, say it wasn't true and it was all staged and everything." And the guy refused the money, and the ten thousand dollars was a lot of money in nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. So um, I thought that was really interesting that um, Philip Class, who was a, a well-known debunker, who was probably paid off, paid by the CIA or the FBI um, to do what he did at the time. Mm. And the guy wouldn't sell his story? No. Yeah. Well. No. Um, so it's, it's really good that um, he didn't accept the money because basically the whole story would have been just kiboshed and uh, we wouldn't have the real story. But he, he forfeited all that money and he did it. He was being, you know, an honourable person. And basically um, I think the Travis Walton incident was um, by far the most – I think it's even more important than Betty and Barney Hill incident but um, because there were witnesses – to Travis being taken up into the UFO. And also he was missing for five days. And then he was found naked on the road. Mm. And he you know, like he's wondering what the hell happened, you know? Um, and the the all the all the guys that witnessed it were accused of murdering him. And they all had to undergo lie detector tests and basically they all passed. And then even Travis was given several lie detector tests and basically he passed all of them. Um, but then if you look at Wikipedia, and this is what I, I – I, sorry, I'm just going to bring this up but because I'm really, can I say, pissed off with Wikipedia. Can, yeah. You can bleep that out. No, that's fine. Um, bas- basically, Wikipedia – don't rely on Wikipedia when, it, when you're looking at UFO stuff. It is the most biased debunking tool out there. And I don't know who's behind it, but every single thing that I read about, and I know a lot about some of these UFO instances, um, they have a very big negative spin on all of this. And if you look at the Travis Walsh, Walton incident, they, they try and debunk that. And I think it's a, a concerted effort by maybe a three-letter intelligence agency in the States that is doing this. Maybe not. Maybe it could be somebody else. I don't know. But um, uh, I tried to, I tried to um, edit one of these documents on Wikipedia and um, none of my edits were accepted and for, for no specific reason. So every time you try and edit something about a UFO document or UFO, you know, anything to do with UFOs mm-hmm. on Wikipedia, there's someone there. Um, deleting what you've done, really? um, and it's mm. and so so basically a lot of what you read on Wikipedia is wrong when it's relating to UFOs. Well, I think if, any, you, if you in, yeah, I think any forum which um, you know is is populated by people reading it is going to have some flaws, isn't it? 
Yeah, but there should be some system whereby, and you know, like a, if you reference something, uh, apparently that I, I saw this documentary uh, today about Travis Walton, how Wikipedia had um, uh, an, an editor on Wikipedia about Travis Walton had uh, referenced five references saying uh, uh, one particular thing about Travis Walton um, uh, and 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 lie detector tests and stuff and stuff like that and apparently those five references that they referenced were just people quoting philip class that's it yeah doesn't like i mean it was just ridiculous you know just just obviously there's a there's a there's something there that's very suspicious um about wikipedia that um there's someone out there some group out there that's completely going to every single page of wikipedia and this is so weird. I don't understand it. Who has the time and the energy unless they're being paid to do this? Mm. They're going to every single page in Wikipedia that is remotely related to a UFO incident or UFOs of any type, and they're debunking every single thing. They're spending a lot of time and energy, and they're, they're completely redoing the whole page and putting a negative spin on it. Sorry, I'm really passionate about that, but I, I just I'm I'm so annoyed by it. It's just it's really obvious. But it's I mean, really really obvious. Someone in your position would obviously would would notice these sort of changes and these sort of things being redacted or removed from the site, wouldn't they? But the layman who goes on there to yeah, exactly Roswell or something is not going to exactly yeah. If you don't know a lot, you'll go to the Roswell page and say, oh yeah, it's a lot of rubbish. Yeah, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. But Wikipedia is a load of rubbish. If you tell tell me, sorry, I don't care. I mean, mm. I want to put that out there because please do not do not believe what Wikipedia is peddling out there. It's wrong. A lot of it is very biased and very very wrong. And, his- and I don't have the time to correct it all. No. Um, not even Stanton Friedman, who I used to talk to, who I used to email um, about Roswell. I said, look. The Roswell page is rubbish, and he, and he doesn't have enough. So every time you change it, it just gets changed back to what it was originally. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, history is written by the uh, victors, as they say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know what do they say? Is that thirty percent of history is correct? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> At a pinch. We're out of time, yep. uh, Roger. All right, no worries. Uh, there was Roger uh, Stankovic, the Australasian director of MUFON. Tonight we were talking on episode 44 about alien or famous alien images. <laughs> alien imaging facts or fiction. Thanks for coming on, Roger. No worries, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me and um, have a good night. Um, I hope. You found that interesting. I think I, I, I found it quite fascinating to talk to you about it. I will, and I'm sure because uh, your episodes are actually always uh, really popular. I get um, is it? Oh, okay. Might be pushing it through your MUFON community. I think. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. Fair play, dear. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. I'll uh, see you on the next one. what they are.